Well, good morning, everybody. So my regulars on the right-hand side know this, but it takes like six good mornings before we actually get started. So good morning, everybody. That's much better. All right. So if you got your Bibles, we're in Titus today. We're in Titus. You may need the index to find Titus. If you do, that's okay. It's not a problem. It's a little book. Uh, Today is week eight of our eight-week series, so we're going to do a review and then dive into the last couple of verses and finish up Titus today. So, we uh, at the beginning of each series, I like to set out a <clears throat> a set of knowledge objectives, and these just help me as a teacher uh, be very intentional as we go through a study with clearly defined objectives on the backside. So, a couple of these that we've looked at as we've gone through: number one, to know the qualifications of church leaders. So, what does that look like? Uh, what does it not look like? What's on that list? What's not on that list? Number two, to know the expectations for church leaders. So there's, there's a set of things that get you on the list to be looked at, and then there's a set of things once you get that position or that role or that authority that are expected to be maintained. So we looked at those as well. Number three, to understand the expectations for church members. So this is not just about, oh, let's point fingers and see what does the person on the stage, what are they expected to do? There's a tremendous set of things that everybody is expected to be engaged with. Number four, to better understand the authority given to church leaders. So this is a a widely misunderstood topic today, I believe, because a lot of people either, um, if you think about a bell curve, I'm a math guy, so everything's math for me, but uh, if you think about a bell curve, there's the folks on on the one end of the curve that say there's no such thing as authority and we have liberty to do whatever we want to. And then the other end of the bell curve is whatever the pastor says actually supersedes the written words of Scripture itself. And you go, well, both of those are extremely unhealthy ends uh, of the spectrum. And the the truth is uh, substantially more toward the middle there. Number five, to see practical examples of how to live the Christian faith in everyday life. And we saw this in the last couple of weeks. And then number six, to see practical examples of how not to live the Christian faith in everyday life. So we spent eight weeks in Titus. So for those of you that are blank fillers, grab your pencils. We're about to start with blanks. I'll give you something to fill in today. For those of you that are OCD, if I skip a blank, just throw something soft. I'll go back and I'll cover that blank. So week number one was the greeting. Uh, we saw how Paul identified himself. He saw his identity embedded in what God had done, not in what Paul had done. Paul goes on to describe himself And he uses a couple of words to describe himself on on his actions and his status. But the vast majority of his description of himself was actually related to what God had done for him. Saved, I've been put into this position. I've been redeemed. I've been turned around. I've been placed in this spot by God. It wasn't something that I did. And we talked through the idea that when we introduce ourselves to people, one of the the first things that people ask is, well, what do you do? Right? Right? And, and we are very tempted to talk about, oh, this is what I have done. These are the things that are on my uh, resume. These are the objectives that I have met. These are the, the skills and the qualifications that I have. As opposed to saying, well, we could talk about that, but here's what God's done in my life, actually. And this is a much better response to who am I, that question, that basic fundamental question of who am I. So week two, we looked at qualified elders. Uh, great quote here from Guzik says, what qualifies a man for spiritual leadership is godly character. Is godly character. Uh, and character trumps skill. And many times we are, we are so drawn and enamored with skill and talent and ability that we forget that skill and talent and, and ability are all those external things that are about a good, solid quarter of an inch thick. And the character is what is at the core. And that character is going to come out. 
It may wait until it needs to be under pressure. It may wait until there's great calamity. It may wait until there's great success or popularity. But that character is going to come out. And if there's not godly character, over time, that leadership is going to expose itself as actually unqualified. So character trumps skill. And then we also looked at... Um, so, so for those of you that are they're new in our class, um, we, we actually look at uh, Greek words and their tenses and what they mean and kind of get engaged a little there. We looked at the tenses of all the words for the qualifications for these church leadership positions, and they're all present tense. And, and the beautiful thing here is that God is not nearly as concerned with our past as he is with our present. And he is so completely focused on what he has for us in the future that it blows our minds. So we just got, we got overwhelmed with present tense verbs one week, and it was really fantastic. So. And if you didn't laugh at the my, my class knows that that was a joke. So the jokes won't get any better, guys. Okay? You just, you're going to have to help yourself here. So week number three, uh, Sean McGarvey taught on uh, the elder's task. And, and Sean's got a neat perspective on, on the elder's task because Sean grew up as a pastor's kid. And he got to see from the inside out what this actually looked like. And the blanks there are band together. Uh, and this idea that this band of believers, we join together and do the work together. This is not about isolation. Uh, the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that it's a body. There's more than one. You know, that, so here's, here's what I think is gorgeous about today. So got all these blue shirts sitting over here, right? Has anybody over here ever met anybody sitting over here? No. But what do we have in common? Say it with me, guys. Jesus. Jesus. How cool is that, right? It is beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Now, I would have loved it if we had kind of sat together, but that's okay. You know, that's, we, that's, that's like Body of Christ 201 or something. That's the next class up. So we'll get there later. So this idea of band together. Uh, week four, qualities of a sound church. We talked about good hygiene is important to church health. Good hygiene. This, this idea... Uh, that when, when Paul is writing to Titus and he says, you have sound doctrine, you have sound faith, you have sound this. That, that Greek word for sound is hygienios, the, the word where we get our word for hygiene. So I brought up my, my, my personal hygiene items and I talked about my toothbrush and I talked about my comb and I talked about my razor and I talked about my deodorant and I talked about and all these different things. And, and we, we looked at the idea that if we skip one of these things once in a while, probably not the best idea. But if we ignore some of these hygienic ideas on a regular basis, guess what? People notice <laughs> a lot, very, very easily. So, so this concept that good hygiene is important and healthy doctrine leads to healthy lives, which leads to healthy churches, all this stuff is connected. So week five was Dave Barber, uh, trained by Saving Grace, and we talked about focusing on internal attitudes, focusing on internal attitudes, saying no to ungodliness, and saying yes to godliness. And this idea that, that righteousness and a good testimony is an outpouring of the internal character, of the internal uh, decision that somebody has made to follow Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life and see some fruit as a result of that. Uh, week six, graces of the heirs of grace. Some things go together and some things don't. Amen. Amen. All right. So I need somebody who was here that week to describe uh, what I was wearing that week. It was, awful. it was awful. How dare you say that, Darla? I'm teaching the Bible, and you're saying it was awful. What, what made it awful? It didn't go together. It didn't. It, I had two different plaids. I had a wonderful plaid shirt, and I had 
and I had plaid shorts, and they were different. They were wildly different plaids. And the idea is that some things go together and some things don't because we talked about these things that are associated with, uh, with believers and we talked about these things that are associated with pagans and the things that are associated with believers shouldn't go with the things that are associated with pagans. You've got to be able to look at a believer and go, this lifestyle is a believer's lifestyle. You look at a pagan and you go, yep, that's a pagan lifestyle. So some things go and some things don't. Now, the funny thing to me was I actually walked into church matching, <laughs> changed in the... Uh, in the kitchen, and I did not make it. So I, I typically come in, I'll come in through the back door, uh, ease my way up, get my microphone just like I did this morning, come over, close the doors, come back up, and away we get started. I did not make it five steps into this room, and three of my long timers stopped me and said, uh, No, 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 no. <laughs> What's wrong? Two of them turned to my wife, Julie, and said, what's he doing? This, did, did, did you know about this? And she's like, yes, yes. And then they look at her like, are, are you running a fever today? I mean, what's the deal here? So it was really, it was great. I, I felt the love there, so this was good. So last week was Titus 3, verses 9, 10, and 11. So we'll read this, and we'll kind of start to uh, advance into our text for today. So verses uh, 9, 10, 11. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. And we looked at that word useless, and that means vanity. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. And the, the best commentary that I found on this is Harry Ironside, old school guy. This is the first commentary I ever read was his on Nehemiah. And the, the blank here is, avoid stupid conversations and controversies. I love it. And some of you go... Well, now, we had to, I shouldn't use the word stupid. Well, the Greek word is moros. It means moronic. So it is what it is. There are stupid questions. Uh, I've taught the Bible for a little over 20 years now, and I can assure you there are stupid questions. And there are great questions from seekers who are looking for truth and trying to figure out answers and come to conclusions about their, their framework for God and how this all fits together. But there are some, you know, how many angels can dance on the head of a pen? I don't care. That's not what they're doing. If you read the Bible, you know they're not dancing on the head of a pen, right? I mean, these, these types of questions uh, just drive me nuts. So distractions will come. Uh, truth is worth separating over. These are the concepts that we looked at last week. Now, so the final messages is verses uh, 12, uh, 13, and 14, and then we do the farewell in verse 15 for Titus. So the commentators as a whole basically took the week off for this, these particular verses. Um, they completely mailed it in. It was like, yeah, we're coming to the end. Thanks for reading, period. Wonderful. There's still more text to be had here. And, and I think there's a couple of really big gems in here that are, that are fantastic. Um, Phillips, in his commentary, says, Greetings from the mainland churches would have cheered Titus's heart. So just to review, Paul sends Titus on this mission to this island of Crete. Crete's about 100 times the size of Hamilton County. And he says, go and in, in each one of these 90 or 100 church, uh, cities, plant a church. And this is going to take a long time. This is not a weekend exercise. This is not a short-term assignment. This is an extended uh, effort here that Titus is going to have to go do. And uh, so Titus gets started on this. And Paul gives him all these different things that we've just talked about to equip him to do this. The, the problem is that Titus doesn't have a lot of folks with him while he's doing this. He's very, very lonely while he does this. So a letter from somebody who could encourage him would be huge. 
And, and how did he get the letter? The letter was hand-delivered by a couple of the guys that are actually listed in these last couple of verses. So there were people who saw Paul eyeball to eyeball who can put their arm around Titus and go, we're praying for you, man. We love you. There's, there's folks back here that have got your back, and this is important, and this is critically engaging to him as far as what he's doing. Now, Philip says, Greetings from the mainland churches would have cheered Titus's heart. Such salutations were another reminder of the greatness and oneness of the body of Christ. Christianity and inner church relations were very personal in those days. Now, at the beginning of this series, I handed out eight or ten different commentaries. I like to give commentaries to my folks and have them read along, and they email me what they find to be helpful quotes and feedback as we go through. This week was very light on email because most of the commentators mailed it in. Just the way it is. Sean, however, uh, generally when he gives me his uh, quotes from the commentators, also has, uh, I don't know, I'm going to keep them and put them into a book one day, uh, hilarious commentary on the commentators about what he feels was their personal mindset on the day that they wrote this and the either completely what were you smoking that day or, you know, you were really walking with Jesus and this was looking pretty good. So, so the past tense verbs here really kind of lit a fire under Sean. So I'm going to let Sean talk a little bit about this, this concept is not an old one. of It is not as only reserved for old uh, times before where we live today. It is for today. So talk a little bit about why you had such a negative. Yeah, I just don't know if Phil was discouraged by life in general or what. Or if he had not been encouraged himself lately. Um, having, I threw in the story about going to Zimbabwe in 95, and, and just... And just so you're wondering, Zimbabwe is not a, um, <clears throat> it's not a suburb of Chattanooga. <laughs> this is like the one where you struggle and you failed that test in high school. Where is it on the, that, that Zimbabwe, okay? okay? So, to be able to carry greetings from churches in Indiana and Pennsylvania that supported churches in Zimbabwe was huge. And when we got off the plane there, and we were able to, to go right into a chapel service at the mission and, and tell them that, you know, these churches send greetings. You know, and you could see their faces just light up. And then when we came back to the States, we carried the greetings from, from our, our friends, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, back to the churches in the United States. And it was just, it was an encouragement on both ends like you wouldn't believe. It is an encouragement, right? It is an encouragement. How, how cool is that, right? Now, <clears throat> could we have put all of our world changers up in hotels? Yes. Some of you are going, and I wish I would have slept on a hotel <laughs> last night rather than, yes. <clears throat> I'm the guy that will state the obvious, so just, just bear with me. Um, yes, we could have, but no, you would not have gotten the same engagement had that happened. Right? There's just a different level of engagement when you get to participate with people in something. So this is, this is critically important. So all of that brings us up to today's text. That was the introduction. Yes, we will finish on time. Don't worry. Verse 12, Titus 3.12. When I send Artemis, so this is Paul writing to Titus. When I send Artemis, Artemis means gift of Artemis. Yes, it does. It's very strange. It's a different spelling in the Greek, but it just translates Artemis in the front in the, on the English. When I send Artemis to you or Tychicus, 
And, and Tychicus was somebody that we have heard before. Tychicus was actually the bearer of the letter uh, to the Colossians and the Ephesian churches. So, so when Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians and he wrote the letter to the Colossians, he handed it to Tychicus, and Tychicus went and took that message. So we should be very thankful for Tychicus, which is kind of cool. He had a great, great ministry, and he was responsible with it. He completed his task. He did his work well. So when I send Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be diligent, or endeavor, or labor to come to me at Nicopolis. Now, Nicopolis means city of victory, or Nike. Uh, Julie and I, we, we took Caleb to, Caleb's my 10-year-old son, we took Caleb to Vanderbilt this uh, week, earlier in the week, Thursday, is it Thursday? Took him on Thursday. Uh, he's, having, he's not gaining weight like he should, so we're trying to figure out and how do we stuff more in him and keep it there and you know, do something with that, and that kind of stuff. And we decided to go visit uh, a couple things in Nashville while we were there, and one of them was the Parthenon. You ever been to the Parthenon in Nashville, anybody? You go inside the Parthenon in Nashville, and there's something that really stands out. What, does anybody remember? There's a statue. There's a statue of who? Athena. Yes, there's a statue of Athena. And the statue of Athena is probably 30, 40 feet tall, something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big statue. You're not going to miss the statue of Athena. Um, covered in gold uh, paint. I mean, it just really stands out, really gaudy. And Athena, I told you, I'm going to call it like I see it. Athena has her hand, her right hand kind of sitting out like this, and there's a person sitting in her hand. You may know who the person sitting in her hand is? It's Nike, absolutely. So the gods, uh, the, the Greeks in their descriptions of their gods would sometimes have Nike standing around because Nike was the symbol of victory which is one of the reasons that the company Nike picked the name Nike because it means victory. The idea is that if you wear our clothes, you will win. Well, that works really well until there's two people wearing Nike in the race, right? I mean, then that kind of <laughs> falls apart, but they didn't think about that. So, so Nike's sitting there, and Nike's probably six, eight feet tall. I mean, you know, this is a big statue. So we're sitting there looking at Nike, and I'm going, okay. Wow, that cost me ten bucks to see Nike standing in Athena's hand. That's wonderful. Fantastic. This is really... Okay, what else is there in the Parthenon? You know, it'd been a while since I'd been there. So we go looking around, and there's all these statues, and there's all these plaques, and there's these little things. And you know what my kids got? This is my rabbit trail for the day. You know what my kids got most amped up about? They were the most amped up that the pearl... You know where I'm going with this, don't you, Christine? Where am I going with this? Percy Jackson. The, per, the actual pearl from the Percy Jackson movie was in the Parthenon, and they had it behind glass, and like, here's the pearl from the movie, and the kids were like... It's the pearl from Percy Jackson. <laughs> you just saw a 40-foot Athena holding a Nike, and everybody's just like, yeah, okay, that's cool. We took some pictures. But Caleb looked at me and he's like, are, are we supposed to have our picture taken with it? I said, I said, does it kind of freak you out? Uh-huh. I was like, good. That's the response I want to hear from you. This should wig you out just a little bit here. So, yeah, it's all right. So come to me at Nicopolis, so the city of Nike, for I have decided or determined to spend the winter there. Now, this is one of those things where this might have happened, this might not have happened. You, you have to tie tons and tons of Scripture together to figure out what the timeline was. He, this may have happened, it may not. We're not really sure. So, verse 13, send Zenus. So, send means to escort or to aid, A-I-D. That's your blank. Or send forth or a company. Send Zenus. Now, you may know what Zenus means. It's the gift of somebody or Jupiter. What's the other name for Jupiter? Anybody know? It's for Zeus, yes. Send Zeus or Jupiter. 
Stephen's over here cheating like he should, so that's good. Those, there are several of you know that there's a, there's a website down at the bottom that you can actually pull up the notes that I'm, I'm, I'm actually teaching from my website right now. Uh, you can pull up the teacher notes with all the blanks filled in and see all the answers, and yay, you're awesome. So, uh, Send Zenus, or yeah, Send Zenus, this is the gift of Zeus. Um, and he, the scripture calls him a lawyer, and we're not really sure what that word means. It, it has two different meanings. It could mean that this is a, a scribe, uh, and Zenus was like a converted Jewish rabbi, or it could mean that he was actually a Greek lawyer. This is how the word is used outside of Scripture in other writings of the time. So we think that he was just a Greek lawyer. Is the idea here. He was a lawyer. Send him with him. This is good. So send Zenus and Apollos. Now, now here's a name. This should ring a bell a little bit, right? And we've, we've talked about Apollos before at some point. So who is Apollos? Crickets. He was a contemporary of Paul, yes. Good. If he wasn't a contemporary of Paul, then someone would have had to raise him from the dead because if Paul wanted to see him, right? So that's good. Great. Way to use the contextual clues there. You're going to have to speak up. I can barely hear you. Wasn't there a contention in the church earlier between the teachings of Apollos and Paul? Yeah, people were lining up under different people saying, well, I like this person, and I like this person, and I like this person. And then the really religious come along and go, like, well, I like Jesus. Okay. Well, thank you, Mr. High and Mighty. We appreciate your feedback, right? This is great. Um, yeah, Apollos was a fantastic orator. He, he was a phenomenal speaker, but he didn't have the complete picture, right? And there were these two people that came alongside Apollos and said, hey, you've got some great skills, you've got some great knowledge, you're doing this great work, but you need some more information. Who were those two people? Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla. They came alongside and they taught Apollos the way, of the, the, King, the New King James says, the more perfectly. So as a more complete, a fuller understanding of what this information was. So send Apollos. Now, Apollos means given by Apollo. Given by Apollo. Now, I'm going to make a point with this here in a second. This is not just a study of gods here. So here's my question. Artemis means gift of Artemis. Zenus means gift of Zeus. Apollos means given by Apollo. If you name your kids after pagan gods... What does this tell us about their early home life? What does it tell us? They're pagans, right? They're pagans. I did not name my son Gift of Wicca. You with me? Somebody should have stood up and go, no, 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 no. Let's think this through, Jim, right? Let's make sure we want to... No, it's Caleb. He's a really cool dude in the Old Testament. It points back. I wanted to remind him of something as he grows up, that his name means something. These guys started their lives in pagan homes, and Paul himself calls them out for their faithfulness and their helpfulness later on. And my point is it does not matter where you start. It matters how you finish. And in these little greetings, in these little, hey, say hello to somebody, say hello to somebody, say hello to somebody, it is more than just a head nod. This matters. This is, this is the Holy Spirit's way of teaching me this week that I, I, it is more important about how I finish than how I started. It is far, far more important. So, gift of Apollo. Send them on the journey with haste or diligently or instantly that they may lack nothing. So this idea that, that I'm going to send them to you and send them to me 
and you make sure that they're well equipped. You make sure they are well equipped. Now, here's the question I've got for you. How are the Cretans supposed to do this? How are the Cretans supposed to make sure these folks are well equipped? Shelter, food, repairs on any things that they have. How do they fund that? They were supposed to have enough to live on and enough to give away. There's this assumption in the New Testament that I have enough to help my brother and my sister in need. Now, why would that assumption be there? Because my brother and my sister will need help. It's the way this works. This body thing works together. It is connected. So, verse 14, and let our people learn to maintain. Does anybody have a different translation? Anybody have a different translation for that? Let our people what? Engage. That's a great word for that. What else? Devote. Devote. Another great word for that. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Learn to do good. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Robertson, who's a New Testament uh, Greek scholar, said this is the present active imperative. I'm not a grammarian, so here's what this means. Keep on learning how. So, so I'm going to talk about myself for a second. So there are times in my life where it is very easy to go, you know what, this person needs help, boom, let's go help them. And there are times in my life where it is... This is the fifth missed call from Daryl. <clears throat> That's our senior executive pastor. And, and I know what he wants me to do, and I just don't want to do it. <laughs> and he knows that. So he texts, and then he starts calling Julie. And then I'm in trouble. <laughs> then, I'm in a, a big, then I'm in big trouble. Th- there are times when we, have, when we got it, and there are times when we have to go back and learn it again, and go back and learn it again, and go back and learn it again. And I am so thankful that we serve a God that gives us the second chance to go back and learn it again. And the opportunity to learn how to do these things over and over and over and over. I plan to be in the Christian life for a long time. I'm going to have to learn these lessons over and over and over and over. And that is okay because God's grace will cover that too. So let our people also learn or keep on learning to maintain good works to maintain. So here's what maintain means. Um, I need, is Abby in here still? Where's Abby? Abby's not. Kristen, can I borrow you for a second? Uh, Keith, can I borrow you for a second? Um, Who's the tallest blue-shirted person? Everybody's pointing him. So him, can I borrow him for a second? Does him have a name or do you just guys use pronouns? Is this Kevin? Kevin, fantastic. Can I borrow you for a second? That borrow means come up front. Thank you very much. Thank you for your help, Kevin. I appreciate that. No problem. My name is Jim. Thank you, Kristen. All right, so we're going to rank you guys, okay? So how could we rank them? Height. Let's do by height. So you guys rank yourselves according to height. Excellent. Boy, that, so we got it? That was, that was actually a pretty good line there. That's not bad. Okay. So rank according to height. So what's the verse say? Maintain good works, right? This is the word for maintain. The word for maintain 
is to put things in order and to see no offense. You are wonderful. <laughs> the word for maintain is to see that good works go first. Good works don't get bumped down to the end of the row when we take care of everything else. Good works come first. We put things in order and we go, oh, okay. So I've got four missed calls. This helps me know which one to answer first. Okay, does this make sense? You tracking with me? Yes? Thank you very much. I appreciate your help with this. See, it wasn't even hard. No struggle, no, no wrestling today, no shaking of the sheets, anything strange. All right, so let our people also learn to maintain good works. This word for good is beautiful. This word for good is valuable or virtuous or worthy works. And works is just the word for business. It's whatever you're doing. To meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. And here's the quote from Barclay that I, I mangled earlier. The Christian workman works not only to have enough for himself, but also to have something to give away. Also to have something to give away. So verse 15, the last verse. Paul's Amenaeus is getting tired at this point, and he's coming to the last verse, and here we go. All who are with me greet or salute or welcome or embrace you. Greet those who love or phileo us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. So Phillips has a great quote to end, so I'm going to end with this. So much grace was needed, grace to save and sanctify, grace to overcome the lies of the devil, the lusts of the flesh, and the lure of the world, grace to transform dispositional flaws, temperamental weaknesses, and national characteristics, grace to deal with opposition from without and subversion from within, grace to overcome differences of culture, character, and creed, grace to submit to apostolic authority, the Word of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, grace to become more Christ-like, less selfish, and more loving, grace to handle advancement and face adversity, grace to face mounting hostility in a pagan world, grace for living, and grace for dying. Amen to that, right? So, you say, what's the point? Well, the first what's the point is it's more about how you what? It's more about how you what? Finish than how you start, right? So, so what do we do with that? Study up. Number one on the bottom. Study up. Study up on good works. Know what good works are. Know how to get involved with those. Know how to do this quickly so that when somebody asks, we can engage and do the work. Number two, good works are worthy of being done. Number two, get in line. Get in line to do good works. I love her laughing right now. It is perfect. She is not bothering me at all. Because this is our, should be our attitude. She wants these grapes more than anybody else wants anything in this room. <laughs> this should be our attitude toward good works. Mama, let me go. Let me have them. You are doing great, honey. Oh, and I'm going to scare her. It was, the, it was the most beautiful example I could ask for. She's just craving for it. I'm trying to hurry up and get to the point. <laughs> That's how we ought to be. It ought to be good works. Well, let me get involved. Let me get engaged. Let me do this. And no, we did not set this up. This was just like a God thing. It's kind of cool. All right? Get in line to do the work. Number three, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Oh, I, did, I skipped them up wrong, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, I got them out of order. I was so excited about this, not how you, how you finish and not how you start. Good works must be learned. So number one, study up. Number two, get in line. And number three, finish well. If you're doing it right now, finish it well. Don't mail it in. Don't be half-hearted. Don't leave the commentary half done. Finish well. If you've got a job that God's called you to right now, finish well. What's y'all's next step? Is it go home or you got more work to do? More work to do. Finish 
well. You got to get started first, right? Okay, excellent. Start well. <laughs> when you come back next week, we'll talk about finishing well. All right. Finish well. This is good. Uh, I love this book. I've learned a ton from the book of Titus. Thank you very much for letting me teach it to you. Uh, you have homework for next week. Homework for next week is to watch the movie 12 Angry Men. Yes. We're going to be looking at the 12 apostles, uh, and the, the title of the series is 12 Apostolic Men. If you've ever seen this movie, 12 Angry Men, how many have ever seen the movie 12 Angry Men? Yes? Oh, it's a great movie. It's one of my favorite movies. So I think it's the only movie Henry Fonda ever uh, uh, directed. Um, but it's this concept of people moving from one frame of mind to another over time as a result of direct personal interaction with truth. And this, to me, is the story of the apostles. It is people moving from one place to another over time as a result of direct personal interaction with the truth. So we're going to draw a lot of parallels between the movie and the 12 apostles as we go through because there were 12 men on this jury as they went from one place to another. So that's your homework. Don't leave yet. We still have a couple more things that we need to do. So in our class, there's a sheet at the middle of the table that should say, Uh, Sunday School Weekly Update, July 20th. Make sure your name is somewhere on that sheet. And if you've got any prayer requests, write those down. We pray as a table. We we can't do prayer requests as like a whole group because, you know, we've got to go to church at some point. Um, So pray as a table. And when you finish praying as a table, you are dismissed. So thank you for coming to Sunday School today.